Street Brass Podcast with your host, Phil Andrews. Today we have a very special interview with Christo of the Perhaps Contraption, um, a nine-piece progressive brass band from London, England. But before we jump into the interview, let's have a little bit of their music. Uh, This is off their latest official release called Mud Belief in 2016, and the song is called Lalo. episode we have a very special guest all the way from london england you want to introduce yourself hello i'm chris day squire from perhaps contraption perhaps contraption uh if, if folks don't know uh this is sometimes described as progressive brass this is uh, about an eight piece um brass uh street band a little different than what we're used to on the show um they have very complex uh, rhythms and songs, and there's a lot of group singing with with really fun harmonies. Uh, it's really one of uh, my favorite brass bands, and we're going to dive in to their history and some of their music today uh, to check it out. Um, but first off, I uh, just want to ask, you know, in this time, how are you all doing? Uh, we're hanging in there, yeah. Uh, most of the band are music teachers, so there's a lot of remote teaching going on, um, and then we're all trying to stay checking in with each other pretty often we're, we're all working on a, a bunch of new songs so we're trying to keep the ball rolling on that we've got some exciting projects coming up and we're just trying to maintain the momentum behind them and connecting regularly um yeah so at the moment everyone everyone's well and okay and just trying to stay positive and embrace the stasis to try and get as much done as possible yeah it's tumultuous 
Yeah, not an. It's uh, we've we've spoken uh, often uh, on the show about how you know how brass bands, both their very nature of being large groups and the sort of you know large groups of people in our DNA. I mean, I know you all kind of Glastonbury and Burning Man was so formative. Um, how are people's are there are there thoughts about how a, a band like like yours can can adapt to the new situation and we you know we've seen other bands go for these split screen videos or maybe separating in the street with masks um have you all uh, thought about what you want to do at least in the short term um the main thing is just to try and carry on songwriting um because we're in that sort of phase of of uh of the creative kind of cycle so we've just um finished uh, a batch of songs that are 80% recorded so the one focus is just getting those finished off getting the recordings finished but at the same time we're kind of um uh doing a, a relay race if you like kind of passing the baton to writers mm-hmm. in the bands to write new materials so we keep creative fuel going through the band so while we haven't been together physically i really like that idea of playing in the street i haven't heard of people doing that over here like getting getting out and playing but with the appropriate distance that's a cool idea um yeah we, we're just trying to sort of keep sharing ideas um keep sending each other sketches and then we have um various band members dropping into pro tools or logic sessions so they can listen to the ideas as we're working on them things like that so trying to be a bit creative with the the technology so we can keep keep the creative juices flowing is the main thing for us yeah i mean so your your compositions and arrangements are intricate and complicated and i was gonna ask later about your writing process how does that usually happen how much collaboration is involved Oh, a huge amount of collaboration. Um, so a, a lot of the compositions are devised as a group. Um, so we spent, particularly for the last batch of songs, we spent a lot of time on um, artist residencies. We were very fortunate to have support from a big art center in the UK called Snake Maltings. And we would regularly go to this beautiful country house and do writing retreats together. So that was a really luxurious time for us because it enabled us to... Um, have extraordinary amounts of time together in a room writing and collaborating. Um, so that's that's generally the way we prefer to do it if we have the that luxury. Um, however, there are individual composers in the band as well who will spend a lot of time building the compositions separately in a more kind of direct compositional style. So some, some t- things are written come very much pre-packaged and given to the band and then we learn them by ear. Some things are mostly written and then brought to the band and then we we finish off the composition as an ensemble and some things are completely generated in the room. So those are the kind of three that we go down. That's incredible to hear you, you, the band learns things by ear normally, no charts? Yeah, pretty much everything uh, by ear. Um, We just find... Generally, if you're learning something off the page, um, it takes if if you if if you start on the page, it takes longer to get off the page. Yeah, and we we always perform without music, so it sort of makes sense to 
for us to um, spend that little bit of extra time learning by ear in the practice room and then we just we internalize it then in there um, and kind of cut out the notation not that notation is bad or, or or not useful some we do use it sometimes it's not like there's a ban on notation but um, generally especially if a composition has been pre-written everyone will just have their parts played to them and we'll just pick it up by ear and go through a, f a few cycles until it's under the fingers yeah that's really great i mean i don't know how many times i've said you know like oh don't play it like that play it like this and people say but that's not what you that's not what's on the page i'm like what's on the page is not music it's a language that describes this stuff we're making but it's far more complex than that um so do you um like when you're coming up with a song um do you sort of compose, you know, with horns, or do you compose, like, say, in in Logic with a with a keyboard? Like, how what's how does it get from your head to something? Um, personally, my process is um, either it comes from a guitar. Guitar is my sort of home instrument, and I mm -hmm. I think in guitar fretboard rather than keyboard. That's the so a lot of the songs that I work on start life on the guitar. Um, although sometimes I'm, I'm kind of getting more into using logic and using software and building songs um, in logic. And then I have each instrument in the band as a software instrument. And I'm trying to um, enjoy or like play with um, using software to compose as well. And then I'm, I'm kind of new to the tennis saxophone. So I'm trying, I'm really liking my ignorance with that instrument and uh, just trying to write songs just with the saxophone is, is really fun as well because I'm less, um, I'm less stuck in, uh, in the, in the process of, I just know that I don't know the instrument as well. So it's, it's more fun to explore. Right. It's, it's like, free, it's like freeing, like every new instrument you learn is all of a sudden a different language. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as for other people in the band, I know that, um, Mickey, who's our, our tenor trombonist, he writes a lot in Logic as well, using software instruments. Um, uh, Jin, who's our soprano sax player, who writes a number of the songs, he, um, he tends to just build up, because um, he can play everything. <laughs> so he, he just builds up a, a demo with voice and clicks and mm -hmm. whatever instruments that he needs to kind of give a good impression of the composition. Right. Yeah, everyone's got their own process. So, of course, we are going to play some uh, clips of some songs. So I want to ask about a few of them in particular before we get back to more general questions so that we can uh, puncture the interview with, with, some, with some songs. But the first one is probably your most recent, and it's from your show, Nearly Human. Uh, the song is called Hurt the Fly. And I definitely want to talk about the show, but what can you tell us about Hurt the Fly um, before we hear a little bit of it. Uh, so Hurt the Fly, um, this song came out of the, uh, the, the residencies, as I said, we've been going off and doing these residencies where we live together for two weeks at a time. Um, and Hurt the Fly was, the seed was born out of this game that we played for a couple of days where we, we basically drew names out of a hat of all the people that were there. And we had uh, duos or trios, so we, we were enjoying playing with chants. So we grab a couple of random uh, players. Mm -hmm. Then the challenge was to write a song in 15 minutes. So we'd all go off into various 
in our, in our groups into the various areas of the house and we'd start the timer and we'd have 15 minutes to to try and write a song and of course uh, we had varying results uh, Hurt the Fly came back and this was a product of our drummer Ricky um, our tenor sax player Charlie and our trombonist Mickey and they, they came back with this very jagged um, groove in seven um, with this kind of nasty fly effect on the tenor trom uh, on the tenor saxophone, and I believe they were in a room that had a lot of dead flies. At this time. So the the lyrics were born out of this kind of mass grave of flies around them as they as they um, rushed to build a song within 15 minutes. Um, and yeah, so this great demo came back and we were like, let's work on that one. And so we, we worked on it as an ensemble. Uh, Mickey, who sings in the song, or should I say, screams, uh, he wrote the lyrics and um, yeah, and we're, we're really proud of this one. It's, kind of, it's really fun to play. There's a lot of kind of whole tone scales and some interesting rhythms and it's just kind of really cathartic. Great, so let's take a listen to that. from perhaps Contraption. Uh, so that song is from the show Nearly Human, um, which was off to a very successful start. Can you tell us, um, just describe, I guess, basically what the, what the show is? Yeah, so the, sh the show is um, it's, it's, uh, about 70 minutes long. Um, and we, a couple of years ago, we decided we wanted to build a piece of theater um, or at least 
something that we as an ensemble could take into theatrical venues. Um, so it's, it's loosely been described as gig theatre, which is this relatively new um, theatrical genre where the, um, the performance is very much driven by live music. However, it's not in the sort of musical trope. Um, it's more, um, it's not a musical basically, but it's driven by live music. Um, so we, we conjured up this, this piece of theatre that um, is based around the story of an atom. Um, it's heavily influenced by Carl Sagan, um, who is, listeners probably know is an amazing cosmologist and science educator. And um, uh, we took a lot of his text as inspiration for the themes in the show. And it's really just a celebration of the fact that we exist and the chances of us existing in a, through a scientific lens are, are incredibly small. Um, so it's this 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 um, explosion of music and lighting design um, and movement and contact juggling and a lot of choreography. Um, so yeah, it's a kind of feast for for the eyes and the ears. Um, it's it's a very it's a very unusual piece of performance. Um, but yeah, we took it we took it to the Edinburgh Festival last year. Um, and that was a whole new experience, taking our work into a theatrical sphere. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different to the live music world. And so are there, uh, is there say a show album in the works uh, for the songs that are in the show? Yeah, absolutely. So the, um, the, there is a sort of concept album that accompanies the live experience, which is pretty much what you will, you will hear in the, in the, uh, in the live show. So all the, all the songs, nearly all the songs have been recorded. And then we have these sort of linking bits between the songs, which, which give this sense of this abstract story, this, this atom that is linked to various beings. Um, so yeah, we're, we're working hard on finishing the album and actually Hurt the Fly, which you just heard, is, is the first um, song that's been completed. In fact, you are the second people to broadcast it uh, we haven't actually released it so there's an exclusive nice um yeah i wanted to talk about movement because for me you know being in a brass band one of the main things is that freedom and not being tethered to chords and, and microphones all of the time and you can sort of tell you know from the videos you all have put out sort of like perambulations for instance uh I want to. I want to know. Well, we're going to play that a little bit of that song, but also, is the movement something that comes with the learning of the song, or is it something that comes later? And how much of it is improvised versus um, really th thought about by the songwriter, or is it a collaborative process by the band? Um, yeah, it's a really good question. It's it's a, it's really a mixture. Um, some songs, when we're devising them, the movements just they just organically fall out of our bodies and our instruments. Um, uh, and sometimes the choreography is just, because we perform the song so many times, we'll just start playing. Uh, when we're performing, we'll just play and things will just happen. And then after the show, we'll be like, hey, that was really cool the way that you yeah. did that. And then it will gradually become internalized into, into the core performance. Um, Although with Nearly Human, that was the first time where we'd worked 
um, explicitly with a movement director. Um, so we had a we had a couple of days with um, a couple of really amazing movement directors, and they collaborated with us on taking some of the movements that we were naturally doing and accentuating them and fixing them and tweaking them. And then they also gave us some really great ideas, uh, fresh ideas from an external eye to kind of plug into the ensemble. Um, but yeah, movement's always been a big part of, of when we play. And like you said, being in a brass band is that, that's one of the most freeing aspects is that you don't have cables and you don't have amps and things like that and you can really enjoy that space and that's definitely something we we love to explore and we want to keep developing um in fact we're just starting a new project which will have a lot of movement in it as well as hopefully as as well as um smell and taste and touch we're, we're trying to do a sort of immersive sensory concert uh, so we, we love exploring all those kind of extra elements that you can inject into the live show Cool. Um, so I also want to ask, you know, you've had a series of videos that have utilized really interesting technology. Um, I think it was GoPro for Lalo and Droplets Molecules and that 3D camera for IMI. And there was even one, I uh, don't have it off the top of my head, where you used the sort of choose-your-own-adventure camera angles. Um, could you tell us is that an ongoing interest with the band of sort of integrating technology with, um, you know, with what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel we, we were lucky to um, have some really uh, smart and passionate collaborators who had some great ideas with the ways we can capture the energy of, of live performances. So uh, yeah, we, we did a series of those GoPro videos where, we actually pitched a GoPro and said, hey, we need loads of cameras. And thankfully they said, okay, here's loads of cameras. And they, they, sent, they loaned us, I think about 10 or, 10 or 12 little GoPros. So that meant we could really play around with um, attaching them all over the instruments. Um, and the same with the VR video. Um, that was at a time when VR was pretty much, I'd not, really seen it um actually in fact when we were working on that video Bjork she beat us to it and she she came out with I think it was stone milker uh the VR we were working on IMI um around that time and it was this sort of really fresh new thing and it was really exciting I think it still is a really exciting uh medium but it's it's really fun to play with those ideas um and the the YouTube the kind of choose your own adventure thing was it inspired by those um, adventure books where you can, you know, shoot, turn to the page and choose the adventure. And a friend of mine who's a coder um, one day was talking about how the, the YouTube annotation system, uh, which is now defunct, unfortunately. So the video, mm, yeah. it, it doesn't work anymore. Um, hours of coding <laughs> to wait. We had, a, we had a good few years with that video, but basically as you're watching the video, little pop-ups go on the screen and you can choose whether you want to be from the point of view of a dancer or a horn player or whoever and you you can travel through the uh through the action um with various different musicians and there was a couple of little secret screens you could unlock if you went through a particular route um so yeah i feel like it's it's really um it's really a big part of what we're interested in as well as exploring ways to 
promote the band and ways to experience the band online, I think it's important. Yeah, it's it's really interesting too because it seems it's like combining the most analog form of music with a sort of high technology. I mean, someone once described brass bands as like the least efficient form of music, therefore the best. Because you can't even, each instrument can only make one note uh, more or less at a time. And so you, it's not even like there's, it's like you get, for a five-piece rock band, you can get chords and melody and bass lines and drums. But like with a brass band, it's like you've got to divide that drummer up into six people. Yeah, I mean, I, lo- I love that restriction i think that's that was a real appeal of of having uh, instrumentation like that because i used this perhaps contraption many years ago was a rock band and we had very minimal brass instruments and it was just so refreshing to actually write songs without uh guitars without um guitars in the final performance because those those, those limitations create um really powerful results that can do I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to uh, sort of out of this interview also talk a little bit about the history of the band and I had no idea that there was this kind of phase one that had, you know, mostly woodwinds and guitar as the main uh, driving force and I was going to play something from either Sludge and Tripe or Business, Um, maybe Naughty Nigel, but is there a song that you would recommend from the early days? Uh, no, I think that, oh, that's, that's, yeah, I think Naughty Nigel's a good choice because it's, uh, there's a lot of brass in it. Well, there's a fair bit of brass in it, uh, but nothing compared to what we have now. But I think the, the theme of the song as well is probably quite appropriate for the moment. Looming ecocide. <laughs> Punch. Uh, have you ever have you seen David Burns' show, where he's de- deconstructed his band into um, into into pieces, and everyone's got wireless uh, instruments? The American Utopia. Yeah. 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to see that when it came to London um, last year, or maybe the year before. Um, yeah, that was incredible. I mean, we that uh, seeing that show um, was was really important because we were about halfway through building Nearly Human, and to see you know such a legendary artist as David Byrne doing touring uh, sort of an experience which had a lot in common with the, with what we were trying to do was was really inspiring. Um, and I, actually, I was lucky enough to catch his previous tour with St. Vincent, where he also had a, I think he had about 10 piece brass band, the Love This Giant tour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of amazing arrangements and choreography. Um, it really blew my mind as to having this sort of almost contemporary dance feel to a, a gig um, as well as amazing brass. It was really inspiring. Yeah, yeah, I, I felt the same. I was, I was both inspired and I was like, felt validated that an artist of that stature was kind of like reaching into my home zone. But at the same time, I, I had this feeling like, this isn't like the audience is really responding. And I'm like, you know, we've, these brass bands have been around, maybe not doing it quite as spectacularly, but and I know I, I know he was inspired by like the New York uh, brass scene because he mentions Golden Fest, which is the Balkan music festival in one of his books. And I, have you ever been to Golden Fest? No, I haven't, but I've seen footage of it. It looks amazing. Right. And it's all about the, the movement, like the music is in the service of the dancers, not the other way around. You know, so the dance the dances define what your time signatures can be. So if the dance is in thirteen, your song is in thirteen, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also uh, probably close to home as well. You've um, is the the Asphalt Orchestra. Do you know those? Oh yeah, guys? yeah. So they're um, uh, they had a they have a live show as well. Um, I think uh, Unpack the Elephant or Uncage the Elephant, uh, which is also a lot of amazing choreography and theatricality and really amazing music so that they've also been a key influence for me as well um i did want to ask about a couple of other uh songs so that we can uh, maybe get some extra insight before we play them um i mean one of my favorite songs of yours off of mud belief is droplets molecules how uh who wrote that one or how did it really how did it come about is there anything fun you can tell us about that tune yeah um i'm glad you like it that was uh that began with a little flute melody that i was working on and then i brought it to charlie who's our who at the time was our tenor sax player and we had uh we had a couple of sessions just playing around with this melody and she just brought some awesome harmonies and ideas to it. And then, so this is one of these kind of trickle down compositions where each member of the band adds their own. Mm -hmm. um, then we brought it to uh, Ricky and Ian who kind of gave it that sort of thumping groove and a really cool bass line. And then to top it off, we had the other musicians in the band just adding this kind of analog delay effect at least for the first this is the first chunk of the composition that wah, 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 wah. so that was mickey and and emily at the time they were um yeah they they brought this kind of delay effect so that was very much uh the seed began with me and charlie and then we just brought the seed and the rest of the brand the band watered it together and we, that that thing came out of it and i suppose this the subject of the song is is a precursor to 
the things we're in, uh, exploring in nearly human, which is kind of tiny subatomic particles that are the core of everything we make up. And it's this kind of magical, minuscule world that is just this endless source of fascination. So yeah, we, it's, a, it's a lovely song. So let's have a listen. It's Droplets Molecules. Droplets Molecules by Perhaps Contraption. We're here with Christo. And I want to ask maybe a, uh, about another couple of songs that are my favorites. Um, let's talk about Perambulations. How did this one come about? And, you know, what can you tell us that maybe is, is interesting about the composition or its, uh, its, its formation? Uh, yeah, actually, it's a quite a similar process for this one. Um, it started with a flute melody that I was messing around with, and I just brought it to, I brought it to Ian this time, I remember, um, our sousaphone player, and he just came up with this kind of stomping four-to-the-floor bass line, uh, which was quite refreshing at the time, because I think we're fiddling around with lots of weird time signatures. It's like, no, let's just have something, boom, boom, boom. Um, and then we brought it to the rest of the band, um, but it was built with this, uh, the video was, was the end result, that sort of choose your own adventure mm-hmm. video. Um, so we knew that we, there was going to be a lot of movement in it and we knew that the video was, was going to, um, we really wanted the video to show off the, the, the arrangement. So I think the lyrics really reflected the sort of movement that we wanted to, to have in it. And the, the end product actually had, um, we had six amazing dancers come in and choreograph um, to the song. So that that was definitely inspiring the process, the creative process. And we were lucky to get some funding from uh, a charity called Help Musicians. Uh, and they gave some funding to actually build the, build the music video. Um, so yeah, that was an interesting process because we knew that it was going to end with a video as well as a single, but we had our kind of yeah. eye as well 
Very cool. So let's take a listen. This is Perambulations, Perhaps Contraption. song from perhaps contraption um this is another one of my favorites off of their uh latest official release mud belief the song is called i am i and what can you uh tell the listeners about this particular tune yeah so this one uh, again a very collaborative effort but this the, the seed was um uh, the seed came from charlie who was our tennis sax player at the time she's actually not in the band at the moment because she's having lots of lovely babies so she's having a rest <laughs> well she's not having a rest she's being a mama there's a there's a bit in the song where it's it says get the lights get the lights get the lights and she came up with that when she was just in her car and literally she was just looking at the traffic lights <laughs> and she wanted to get through the lights and she uh the the main sort of melodies came from uh came from charlie when she was driving around in her car um and at the same time, I had this uh, five over four rhythm, which I just, I'd learned from somewhere. I was kind of getting into polyrhythms and I was like, oh my God, five over four is really cool. So I was trying this kind of to learn this five over four thing. And eventually I learned it and took it to Raleigh and Ian, who's the sousaphone player. And we kind of built this groove around this lovely five, four pattern, uh, not five, four, five over four. Um, this kind of, let's see if I can still do it. I'm going to put the mic this kind of a, uh, 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 uh. That kind of that was badly done, but you get the picture. Mm-hmm. That, that's the core of a lot of the groove. So I just had this rhythm floating around my head, and I was just like, "How about we try and stick some melody with this?" And then again, we brought it to the whole ensemble, and we stirred it around in a big compositional pot, and then this fell out of it. Yeah, one of the things I love about your songs is that they sound so natural like they well when they're trying 
to when they're not trying to intentionally throw you off they they sound like everything makes sense and then when you start to think about it you're like wait a minute like what even is this time signature but you don't notice it because it it just it feels like that's what the song wanted to be anyway oh that's a lovely compliment thank you yeah there's the, uh, there's a lot of um eking out and and uh, uh magnifying all the various different parts that go into the song so yeah there's a lot of detail in them but we do like surprise as well it's nice to have surprise in composition all right so let's have a listen this is i am i from perhaps contraption i am i i am i am i i am i am podcast of this episode we've been talking to Christo from perhaps contraption um, we've played some great music and uh, we want to thank you for taking the time uh, especially in these uh, you know this difficult time uh, to speak with us today thanks for having us on the show and thanks for doing the great work of spreading brassy sounds around the world my pleasure and that'll do it for this week's episode of the Street Brass Podcast. I've been your host, Phil Andrews. We want to thank uh, Christo from Perhaps Contraption for joining us. Um, after the call, we got to talking, and he also revealed that they've been trying to get a Honk London started. And as of now, it's been a uh, just a, a monthly series at a local pub um, with some local brass bands and activists. But hopefully when things return to semi-normal, um, they're trying to put that together into a full-fledged multiple-day honk. So check that out if you're interested. Um, you can send us messages on Facebook, facebook.com slash streetbrass, or at Twitter. Uh, my handle is at philnotbombs. Uh, please like and review us on uh, iTunes and all of the other um, podcatchers. We're going to let perhaps Contraption play us out with one more tune. This is from their 2012 album, Listening Bones. The song is called The Ossicle. Listening bones, little tools, ossicles move inside our Listening bones, little tools, ossicles move inside our
Hey, 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 hey,